Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Babe Podcast. If you're a woman who is ready to step into your power and manifest a life and business that sets your soul on fire, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Stephanie Bellinger, and I'm a mindset and success coach for spiritual entrepreneurs. I am obsessed with helping my fellow soul sisters shine their light and live out their purpose so they can experience more magic in everyday life. We all have a special purpose here and we're meant to share our message and gifts with the world. You deserve to be fully supported emotionally, spiritually, and financially from doing your soul's work. Together, we can make a massive impact in the world and it's time. So let's do this. In today's episode, I have the amazing Nick Meter here with me. Nick is a transformational coach, mindful entrepreneur, holistic event producer, world explorer, and amazing cacao facilitator. His mission is to empower and liberate people in a sustainable way. And Nick's been on the path of his own spiritual growth journey and stepping to his purpose for quite a long time. And he's been led to working with the magic of cacao, which is something that I'm super passionate about as well. And I'm so excited for him to share all of his knowledge and magic with you about cacao and about his story in this episode. I know it's going to really speak to you and serve you in so many ways. Nick is the founder of Soul Lift Cacao, which is an amazing company sourcing ceremonial cacao from family farms and collectives in Guatemala. So make sure that you check out the show notes so that you can see more about what Nick has to share and offer and also so that you can try some of this amazing ceremonial cacao. I actually use the kind of cacao that uh, Nick offers and it is extremely powerful and amazing. It's become part of my ritual on most mornings, not every morning, but most mornings. I love drinking my ceremonial cacao and allowing that to really awaken my creativity and connection to myself. It's a beautiful part of my practice and something that I love so much. And Again, I'm really excited for Nick to share his experience with cacao, how he works with it, how he facilitates groups, and what really led him on his path to begin with. So without further ado, let's welcome Nick onto the show. Welcome to the show, Nick. I'm so excited to have you here, and I can't wait for you to share all the cacao magic with everyone. Hey, Stephanie. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited because um, actually... Cacao is something that I love using on mm. almost a regular basis. And so I'm excited to hear like your journey and experience with it and what has led you to facilitating with it and all the things. I'm sure I can learn some new, a lot of new things from you. Mm. So I'm excited for you to share about that. But first, I would love for you to open up a little bit about your own personal like healing journey and what has led you on this path to doing the work that you are now doing and facilitating these healings and working with the cacao spirit medicine and all the things like I know everyone has a backstory and you don't need to tell your whole life story by any means, but like what essentially has like led you here? Right. Yeah. It's all very intertwined how cacao came into the picture and my own, you know, it was very intertwined with my own healing journey because in my late 20s, I was uh, dealing with chronic depression, actually, that eventually led to chronic illness, chronic fatigue syndrome. And yeah. I was trying everything, everything from Western medicine to shamanism and in between. 
And a lot of people told me they could cure me and nobody did. A lot of things actually just made it worse. And this was like muscle pain and, uh, and the fatigue itself, like exhaustion and cloudy headedness to the point where sometimes I couldn't even drive a car. Wow. And it was, it went in waves for about five years. But in the middle of that period, I, in 2015, I went to a regional Burning Man event in Michigan, where I'm originally from. And someone at the camp I stayed with led a cacao ceremony. So, whereas uh, I remember maybe six months before that, starting to hear about this idea of cacao ceremonies. And even though I had loved chocolate for a long, long time, I, and even though I had been doing yoga and meditation for some years, I just couldn't understand what would be the spiritual or sacred uh, impact of, of cacao or pure chocolate. But I went to that cacao ceremony and immediately knew it was going to be part of my life. It was uh, this new kind of clarity and subtle energy, not, not a spike like, like caffeine or coffee. Yeah. Right. Cause at that point I had already stopped drinking coffee. I think I would just crash too much from wow. it. But I went right from that cacao ceremony to lead my own workshop that I had already scheduled because I, I had actually at that point already been facilitating workshops for about three years. Wow. When cacao came into the picture. What kind so, of workshops were you facilitating before that? Uh, mostly group process kind of things, uh, communication practices, I guess finding that ebb and flow between our, our deeper, what you might call shamanic states or more meditative states and how that flows into our interpersonal relations. Mm -hmm. So yeah, at that point I had already trained in a few different uh, schools for group facilitation or mystery schools more. I had done some other kinds of plant medicine work by that point, but cacao was the biggest, I would say that was the biggest turning point in my whole journey, both with the personal healing that I was going through and also uh, a big pivot professionally then because yeah, within six months of that first cacao ceremony, then I was in Central America kind of looking for answers. Wow. (laughs) Where did this come from? Why have I not heard about this before? And that same trip also led me to, uh, to a Tantra teacher actually named Gaia Ma. So uh, over those next couple of years, that's when my healing process really accelerated. And the combination of cacao and continuing to change different things about my lifestyle, because I had already changed my diet quite a bit and eliminated alcohol and things like that. But uh, combining that with the Tantra work, doing deep trauma release practices and repatterning my belief systems and communication patterns, all of that finally by late 2016, I, I started to feel added up to uh, recovery really from chronic fatigue. Yeah. So that by that point I felt like I was starting to get my life back. And I think it was late 2017. I finally went running for the first time in like six years. That's something I never thought I was going to be able to do again. That's like amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Especially because of how many people told me they could cure me, you know, functional medicine, doctors, naturopaths, uh, yeah, it was it was just such a bizarre, you know, there's so much mystery in that world of 
chronic illness when there's not a, an, a, an exact medical explanation. Yeah. So other similar conditions uh, are fibromyalgia and chronic Lyme's disease. I think they have very big similarities to what gets called chronic fatigue syndrome. Wow. So in, in chronic Lyme, there is that explanation like somebody, um, yeah, somebody actually got Lyme's disease at the beginning, but then some people have this chronic situation that just goes on and on. And um, wow. yeah. So has it been, has it completely gone away for you? At this point, I feel that stuff less than 10 days a year. Wow. And yeah, yeah. Going from feeling it probably every, every day, but 10 a year, you know. Whoa. So the only times it seems to happen lately are if I get into a situation of really, really high stress stress and just feeling unsafe, kind of like, you know, I, I did have, to be honest, I felt some of that stuff yesterday. And, mm-hmm. and it seemed to me like it was related to this situation we're all in with the, yeah. the quarantine and all that. Wow. So, so do what you, it happens, I just try to stay calm and yeah. go into my practice, go into my yoga or, or walking in nature, or calming down. Beautiful. So mm-hmm. do you um, attribute like this all to cacao? Do you think it was like the cacao and also like you healing yourself mm. or your mind and beliefs around that? Just curious mm-hmm. like what you. Yeah. The way I look at it now is I, I think of it in two parts, the lifestyle changes I had to make, which mm-hmm. I include cacao in that. And then the deeper repatterning kind of work and the trauma healing work. Yeah. So when I was only doing the lifestyle things, changing my diet, um, just managing my stress better and doing yoga, it's like I was seeing waves of improvement, but then I would have a crash again for a month or something. Even when I did my yoga teacher training in 2017, I was sick with the chronic fatigue stuff for a month or two after the training. <laughs> so it was it was only when I got deeper into the, the trauma healing work and uh, it's interesting because uh, the, the teacher I mentioned, Gaia Ma, she, you know, she calls herself a tantra teacher. But but I learned through those experiences that there is so much overlap between, especially what you might call white tantra. That's more about our connection with the different parts of ourselves and our different types of energy and just being more at peace with our whole self. Mm. Uh, there's so much overlap with that kind of work and trauma release work. So, yeah. Well, that makes sense. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I want to look into all of this stuff now that I am all that's, yeah, well, this is is what I was doing a few years ago when I started to do cacao tours, I was calling my events tantric expansion cacao ceremonies. So, you know, cacao is an amplifier. It, It can, bring people more awareness of their different subtle energies and it just shakes things up in a gentle way just enough so that we can look at our communication patterns and belief systems see how we even how we react and interact in those situations where we might be more vulnerable or exposed around people that we don't know too well mm-hmm. so i always like to give people both some kind of deep embodied or more shamanic experience, even if it's just a meditation with the cacao, and then also some interactive experience where we are using our verbal communication, yeah. uh, hopefully get to 
shift something towards more empowerment. Yeah, that's actually what I was just going to ask you more of like how you use cacao with your clients and and both yourself, like, and maybe people listening are new to this altogether. Yeah, um, and have don't really know anything about cacao. If you can kind of yeah. give like yeah, a, it's different. It's different every time. I mean, I know plenty of people who who will just serve people cacao and then have a singing circle or something like that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of cacao ceremonies seem to be influenced by different plant medicine ceremonies like ayahuasca or, or other ceremonies that people have experienced. And there's not really any wrong way to work with cacao. <laughs> I mean, I a few years ago, I led a weekly cacao meditation series where we just had an opening intention circle. People had a chance to just speak a little bit of what was present for them or what they were seeking through the experience. And then I would lead an hour meditation, but not just a seated mindfulness meditation, that that would be fine. But I personally, I like to have a little bit more activity. And, and cacao in particular, I think cacao likes movement or, yeah. or activity, you know, some, something other than, yeah, it's like both, both ways have their, their benefits or their, the things they can teach us, the sitting with any potential discomfort or, you know, yeah, uh, things that might arise feelings or thoughts, but then also having a chance to move, maybe that could be dancing, but also I've led experiences that are just like subtle, almost like, like I'll, I'll, I'll invite people to explore slow energetic movements and I'll describe it like, imagine it's an intuitive Tai Chi or Qigong. Mm. And when they first hear that, they might think it sounds silly, but then they get into it and, and they love it. And it just feels so natural. So, Do you feel like that activates the cacao even more when you move? I, that's my experience of it feels like yeah. a lot more when there's movement. Yeah, I think cacao can you know deepen our awareness of bodily sensations. And so movement can do that as well. When we're sitting still, we don't necessarily feel everything. <laughs> but, yeah. but through movement, it's like, yeah, there are different points of tension or or the flexing and relaxation and uh, and we can really feel how energy moves that way too. And yeah, it's amazing how it can at that point then sort of begin to feel like a spiritual experience through the combination of the cacao and the energy building and the warm and fuzzy feeling or the heart opening sensation mm-hmm. that people describe. How often do you personally use cacao? <laughs> Most days usually, but it's funny. It's uh, right now I'm not having very much cacao. I, I actually usually describe it like cacao tells me when to take a break. And with this current situation, with the quarantine, it seems even kind of how we were just saying that cacao likes movement because I can't move very much right now. Uh, It seems like I can't have very much cacao right now. Uh. (laughs) I, I am about to start this online cacao ceremony series that as of now will be every Thursday, early evening, but um, but I'm going to tell people that they don't even need to drink cacao, uh, especially if they don't have any. Yeah. But even just having a little nibble can sometimes be enough to get the energy and um, yeah, to feel some connection with the cacao spirit, as people say. That's cool that you're doing the virtual ceremonies. What do you have planned for that, like aside from the well, cacao? It will be an experiment. I haven't led an online ceremony in a few years. And I think I was putting it off 
because the in-person environment is so valuable to me, being able to actually be in a circle with other people and hear and, and just sense each other, that is a priceless experience. But unfortunately, we can't do that right now. So yeah. I, I'm starting to think of my approach to a cacao ceremony as having five parts. There's the intention, the medicine, which is cacao, and embodiment, interaction, and integration. So mm. I'll just try to bring in at least some of each of those pieces, you know, actually giving people a chance at the beginning to share an intention over audio and video. And then if they have cacao, we can all do a little toast together. And um, and by the way, I sell cacao on my website. Soul Left Cacao is my brand. So Luckily, there aren't any delays in shipping right now. Everyone's getting it oh, on good. The usual speed. So, uh, but then, yeah, I, I, I'll, you know, there are different kinds of embodiment practices that I can still lead people through online, like, um, like some breath work, maybe or a shaking. Breath work is so powerful. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah, and there are all different kinds of breath work practices. There are some that are more on the gentle side, but still can shift and release things. And then there are some more powerful ones that can potentially put us in a slightly altered state. But even with that, it's, in my experience, um, it can be easier to integrate. And by that, I just mean getting some insight that we can actually incorporate into our day-to-day life and how we see ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's so cool that you're taking this more online as well now. I mean, I feel like you're going to be able to reach even more people too by doing that. And there's so many people who can benefit from not only cacao, but all of this other, like the embodiment, the breath work, the other Mm -hmm. tools and techniques to like really step into who they are and expand and heal. Um, But before this, you were traveling, you were doing a tour, you were about to do a tour, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had scheduled my first tour in I think a year and a half that was supposed to happen in mid-March and I actually hit the road headed towards Austin (laughs) and after one day on the road uh, I my van started having trouble again but it seemed like I actually just wasn't supposed to go on the tour right now with everything because that it it was everything was changing day by day at that point with coronavirus but yeah, I was, you know, stopping at rest areas and just realizing I was maybe putting myself at more risk than was necessary. So uh, I felt sad about it because there was there was so much work that you know there's so much work that goes into planning uh, a tour of events. Can imagine. That, yeah, people, um, you know, it's like I don't wonder anymore why why there are um, like why a band has so many people doing that for them because it's yeah. it's, a, it's a big job. Um, but that was, yeah, the cacao tours, I've done three of those in the past, I think. And that was sort of how I made my entry into California, actually. I'm from Detroit originally, and I've lived in all different kinds of places, but, but I, yeah, while moving around, being kind of nomadic, I was always, well, especially through my healing journey, I started to wonder where would be my longer term home base. Yeah. Like where where was this all leading to? Because there was definitely a sense building through that healing journey that I was on some kind of, um, some kind of spiritual quest, you know, to find out what's my purpose in the world. What's, what's my life mission even. 
and where is the place where I'm going to be able to do that most effectively. So through my travels in Central America, and I also went to Spain in 2015 to walk the Camino de Santiago pilgrimage. Nice. And so throughout all of that, I started to gain the sense of being led, actually, from something deep in my core. And cacao helped me tune into that. Cacao was very intertwined with that. And that has become the basis of my whole spiritual belief system, really. Wow. That, that by tuning into myself and my body, I can you know, take one step at a time in my life and trust that I am unfolding the higher path uh, through each step instead of what I used to do, which was get some idea of where I should go, quote unquote. <laughs> and then even if I got there, sometimes I would still be miserable. Mm. You know, it was more of an abstract ego-based goal instead of that tuning in to the, something deeper. Yeah. And how do you particularly like determine the difference? Well, it's, it's based on feedback and, and feeling it's, you know, the, the, it's got the, like when I, when I use that word practice, I mean like daily tuning into the felt sense in my body and yoga helps with that or nature time, cacao to all these kind of things. Uh, And yeah, you know, when, when we talk about intuition, some people think of it as kind of a heady thing, like a third eye thing. And that might be the case, but for me, I, I'm more of a gut sense. Mm. Kind of intuition. Are you a generator? Do you know your human design? <laughs> I'm project. Mm, actually, that might be right. I might be a generator. I don't, I don't know that system as well as... Human design is pretty cool too. Yeah. Yeah. I've been going yeah. down the rabbit hole lately. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I think you might be right. Mm. Um, but it's more of like a gut response, like a, okay, yes. Or like, yeah. uh-huh or uh-uh. Yeah. And, and I had to cultivate that over years. And that, that kind of thing is what eventually helped me heal from chronic fatigue and find my way to California where the wet, you know, even the weather makes a big difference. It, oh, it, it makes a huge difference at first, but yeah, I can't really be in freezing weather. And I used to be a skier and I, that used to be actually skiing was one of my first spiritual practices really wow. being out in the mountains and in deep nature. I didn't think of it as that at the time, but now looking back, it's like, oh, yeah, that is actually kind of how I connected to the divine. Wow. When I was younger. I used to ski a lot. My nervous system can't handle it anymore. I I, I reached that point as well. I used to live in New York City. I'm from New Jersey. Mm. used to live in New York City for a long time. And I remember the last year that I was living there, I just remember like walking outside near the, there was water near me where I was living at the time in the city on Roosevelt Island. And I just remember like saying out loud, like I am never spending another winter here ever again. My face <laughs> was like so cold that it was burning. And that was mm. my last winter there. It was my absolute last winter. Yeah. I was like, screw this. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> and I never thought I would leave. Uh-huh. But around yeah, that time was how like, we get locked down yeah. in parts of our life. It's crazy. That's the thing about the the spiritual path too is that fears or uh, stop gates appear, and sometimes it can seem like we we can't get past them, or we're too afraid to make some change in our life because what would people think? Or or it could mean making you know like like um, just not having certain people around as much in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
at least in my journey, every time I'm able to make the scary decisions that my gut is pointing me towards, I end up better off and end up healthier and then able to live out my mission more. And, and as far as the people, the, the ones that where the connection is actually really deep, we are able to stay in touch and, and still talk. And Yeah. I mean, as we grow, there's people that fall away and people that grow with us, you either grow together or you grow apart usually. Yeah. How has your own personal path been? Like, do you, like, what do you feel like your, like, what is your next level vision of what you're doing now? Do you see it expanding Mm. more? Like, what does that look like? If you That's a good question. see that, yeah, it's very, very strange to see what's happening with retail right now. Cause one of my dreams was, and still is in some ways to open a cacao cafe at some oh, point. I love that. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those, like when the time is right kind of yeah. things that it's a five or more year, uh, goal. In the meantime, uh, well, soul of cacao in particular is, is totally e-commerce Right now, I'm. I'm. Uh, it's been a legal inspected food business since I came out to California, so about two years now. And yeah, I'm based near San Francisco. I have a commercial kitchen where I am starting to pack um, like drinking chocolate mixes, which will be great, nice. especially for people who aren't familiar with ceremonial cacao. Yeah, already and like chopping it all up. <laughs> yeah, some people don't like to use a knife, so I just have to cater to that. Even though for me, chopping a block can be actually part of the, the ritual yeah. of meditation. Um, but right now for me, and the way I see things moving for me is kind of divided between the cacao business on the one side and then my coaching and uh, training, like how I'm training other cacao facilitators right now through a 10-week course. I don't think I've mentioned that yet. No, we can get into that though. Sure. For um, So you're, you've been doing your cacao business, doing your ceremonies, doing your virtual stuff, like sharing this powerful healing medicine, so to speak, with the world. Mm-hmm. And now you are also you're having a course where you're training other people. Are you training other people just to facilitate cacao or is there more to that? There's a lot more to that. And I don't think I, I even realized. Pr- I, I was guessing that. <laughs> well, as, I don't think I even fully realized until I started the training how much more there is. Because like I said, I had been leading other kinds of workshops for a few years before cacao even came into the picture. So really, I've been on almost a decade-long journey of, uh, of research and training and practice with different approaches to healing and self-development and you know human awareness and consciousness all these kind of things so so through this 10 week course that just started in mid march i it's yeah i'm just really realizing how i actually have uh, what's starting to feel like my own unique philosophy about how to lead people through a transformational journey wow. that that is pieced together from different ceremonial traditions i've experienced and um Difference, more like modern schools about psychology and and group process and things like that. But I've I've um, for a while I was focused more on the negative, I guess, of things I had seen. I, I was presenting my work under the name BS Free Spirituality for a while, yeah. and 
So even though I wasn't trying to say that I knew better than everyone, I was really actually trying to say that different things work for different people at different times. And that any single system taken as the 100% end-all be-all can lead to insanity. Yeah. Uh, But uh, it's a very interesting time right now because... You know, as humans, we like to we like certainty, we like systems, and we like uh, things to have an orderly, you know, just to fit into a formula sometimes, so that we can understand better. And when that happens in a group setting, like um, like a self development group, then there's also the element of belonging and feeling like we fit into a group, and the group starts to also feel a sense of belonging if they use the same terms to talk about parts of the human experience. Mm-hmm. But the downside of that is that, unfortunately, a lot of abuse of power happens in spiritual and self-development groups, which uh, there are more and more documentaries appearing all the time about about yoga groups and and uh, spiritual teachers who just abuse their power in one wow. way or another. Like, what so, do you like? What do you mean exactly? Also, for example, there's a, a, a new documentary on Netflix about Bikram Yoga. Bikram mm-hmm. Yoga. And even just a week or two ago, I heard about Yogi Bhajan, who started Kundalini Yoga. Unfortunately, there are things coming out, too, about Yogi Bhajan um, and, you know, assault and imprisonment of followers and stuff like this. Wow. So, yeah, and when these kind of things happen, it's like a lot of followers in the group don't want to believe that it is happening or did happen because the teacher can become like a representative of God in some ways. Wow. Yeah. Like a guru, essentially. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Idolized. Yeah. So part of what I want to do when I'm training people is like, this is like, first of all, point out the ways not to do it. (laughs) Like what are the, what are the, you know, real steps that somebody could end up committing abuses of power without even really meaning to, because I've also seen this happen in much smaller scales, like in a yoga class. If, if somebody is, if a teacher is providing adjustments without really fully checking in with the class about, uh, about that beforehand and giving people a chance to opt out of mm. physical adjustments. And like ask permission. As permit, yeah, or just yeah, give people yeah, give people a chance to say no thanks before the class even starts, or uh, yeah, because unfortunately, I've yeah, uh, I've experienced this in a yoga yoga class. I actually stopped going to yoga studios because uh, I partly because I just like doing my practice at home, <laughs> but I've also yeah, that happened to me a, a few different times. I remember when I did my yoga teacher training, I brought that up, but um, yeah, unfortunately, in most groups, you know, whether a training course or self-development groups, I just haven't really felt met on this whole subject of like, how do we build more awareness of power dynamics in the world of spirituality and self-development and consent is the other, you know, keyword that, that comes in then too. So for about a year here in the San Francisco Bay Area, I was uh, the lead producer on, a, on an event called New Paradigm Party that mm. was like a cacao dance that uh, I would lead the opening cacao ceremony and then a different teacher each time would lead a consent workshop. So usually focused on the dance floor, like how do we interact with people through dancing in a way that everybody can 
be consenting and have fun and be more safe. Uh, so that, yeah, that was how I was kind of approaching this whole thing up until last fall. And now I'm focusing on the, you know, training other facilitators. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't, I don't know of any other training that, that goes this in depth to the sort of universal principles to like yeah. whatever, whatever system of healing or modality of uh, spirituality somebody's using, what are the things that we need to think about in any case where we're holding space for people? Yeah. I think that's really awesome that you do it in that way. Cause like you said before, like there's no one size fits all approach, but there are certain, like, I guess like the skeleton of it is these, are these like core, um, ways of being or doing things. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with all of your experience, yeah. like your life experience, your journey, like you've done so many different trainings and experiences, it sounds like. Yeah. I think it's cool that you're putting something together like this, that you have put something together like this for people, other people, healers. And there's probably a lot of people listening to this podcast that are healers or uh, coaches or wanting to be and wanting to, to learn more about that or step into that further who can Mm -hmm. benefit so much from what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I plan to lead a live training like this probably twice a year. So hopefully there will be another one in the fall. And then the plan with, uh, I had a, I had a retreat planned for the end of May that unfortunately has gotten postponed due to the health situation in the globe, but, or in the world. But the goal with that will be to create an even more embodied experience to give people so in other words, I want to create in-person facilitation trainings as well where yeah. people can actually go through even deeper embodiment practices, like really powerful breathwork and cacao kind of practices that, uh, that I know can just be much more rapidly transformational, but mm-hmm. in a safe way too. Because that's the thing that can happen. There can be like an intensity addiction in a lot of spiritual self-development of people mm-hmm. wanting to just like, blast off and uh, say goodbye to their past self or something. Um, but there's a really nuanced sort of balance that uh, is rare, I've found, of how can, we, how can we make the really important lasting changes, but also do that in a, in a safe way. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like uh, a lot of people who, are, like, who, who get into it so, super fast like, like to go super deep, like hundred miles per hour. Not that there's yeah. anything wrong with that, but it's like, slow down a bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing about, uh, I mean, the world is changing so fast and uh, yeah, the internet, you know, the internet has, has uh, spread a lot of information and awareness about how people can look deeper into themselves, how they can explore alternative ways of living. Uh, and also, it's sort of like the wild west in some ways there's uh you know there, there's a yoga alliance they they you know have yoga teacher certifications and people can get reiki certified and things like that but then as far as you know ceremonialists and and facilitators there's not really a lot of oversight so mm. yeah yeah it's so important did you, so when you started your cacao journey and like really got into it, you said you went to Central America and delved deeper into it. And like, did you work with 
a cacao shaman? Mm, that was my goal. But what I discovered through, yeah, I traveled through Guatemala. I love Guatemala. Nicaragua. Yeah, yeah. Costa Rica and Nicaragua and Southern Mexico. And I visited some cacao farms and I tried to speak with experts and I, I went to a couple of collectives and I kept asking people, what is a cacao ceremony? <laughs> and uh, the, the only people talking about it were the foreign travelers, actually. And hmm. so the, the, the closest I got was there, there is a family at Lake Atitlan who the, the um, well, their cacao is called Sutuhil cacao, which is that's named after their tribe, essentially. So the, this family in uh, San Pedro at Lake Atitlan, they have been lead, they're, they're the ones kind of carrying the torch as far as wow. I can see of, you know, hosting Mayan, like traditional Mayan fire ceremonies around the world uh, and, and really bringing cacao back into the forefront of that bigger picture. But, but throughout my travels and even reading books, it's like there's, there's always this big mystery about cacao because there's hard evidence that cacao has been used for at least 3,000 years wow. in, in indigenous cultures to, to, act, to connect with the divine and uh, yeah, to connect with prayer and, and intention, I think. That's how, you know, how I would describe it now. But, but it seems like there has never really been a, a lineage of uh, indigenous people serving cacao as a central focus for uh, an experience, the way that there are lineages like that with ayahuasca and peyote. Yeah, that's so, so interesting. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a strange time right now. And, and a few years ago when I started to host more cacao ceremonies, there, especially at that time, there was a lot of controversy coming up about the idea of cultural appropriation mm-hmm. and concerns that the ceremonial cacao movement, as it is explore, um, exploding or expanding into the U.S. and Europe and Australia and Japan, places like this, there's concern that um, that maybe it's not being done in the right way or that um, if people don't have heritage in one of the countries where cacao grows natively, that that, that might not be appropriate. Mm. Uh, after, so I've just, I've gone so deep into this subject and um, gotten really clear in myself that it's, it is very important to be ethical and responsible in how we're sourcing cacao and to have as much of a connection and awareness of the people who are growing and preparing it as possible totally. to be, to have an actual relationship with them, which I'm so grateful to, to be sourcing cacao from two indigenous groups who are making the cacao specifically to be a medicine yeah, and to be used in ceremonial settings. Plus they have profit sharing models. So every time they sell to anyone, depending on which one group has an 80% profit share and the other group has a hundred percent profit share. Wow. So that goes back to the main indigenous people who mm. make the cacao. And you get yours as the, the, as the women's collective one? That's one. Well, one of my sources, Rakush Uleo, that's the Mayan uh, language for heart of the earth mm. cacao. So yeah, that one comes in round blocks. Usually they yes, make a that's pre-round. That's what I'm thinking of. That yeah. one's really but, good too. Yeah. People describe it as very, well, that one's kind of pretty feminine, heart opening. Uh, I've heard a few different people describe it like being held by a grandmother. 
Mm-hmm. And then the other group is the Sutuhil group. So that's TZU is how it starts. Mm. And yeah, the Mayan, it's it's interesting how even after traveling to Guatemala, some people still have trouble with the names just because it's it's not Spanish. It's from the local Mayan. Yeah. Style. Very mysterious yeah, world. But that Sutuhil cacao is a little bit more of a masculine energy, I think, and a little bit earthy, smoky, not quite as, as buttery in the texture yeah. and maybe a little bit more of a heady um, sensation than, than the other kind. It's interesting how there's different kinds. And like, so when you were saying like um, how traditional ceremonies are held and you were kind of saying like you couldn't, there's not really a, a whole bunch of like lineages. What do you, uh, what is your view on that? Like, how do you hold a, traditional ceremony or like ceremony um yeah are there specific things that or is it just because i've also heard from some people that it's kind of like you can do it however you want as long as you're like respectful to the medicine yeah it's a really good question and um it it's it's gotten very very complex in how i think about it and i I'm not sure if others will jump on my bandwagon about it, but I, I do try to be very, very careful in how I talk about it because yeah, I, I try to be very clear that cacao has been used for thousands of years by indigenous people yeah. in sacred and religious ways. But, um, but this term cacao ceremony seems to be something that indigenous people do not use, the term cacao ceremony, at least in a historical context. They, yeah. they definitely have, you know, there'll be ceremonial traditions that cacao might be present, but I've heard of it, um, at least in recent times, maybe being more on the sidelines of a ceremonial picture and maybe more in a sense of like a harvest celebration when the cacao is harvested. Mm. But but I, especially from traveling through Central America, I've seen cacao present in the culinary world too. And even that can be considered sacred or or in some, in some cases religious. Food is, is a very sacred thing. But for instance, mole sauce from Mexico is a cacao-based uh, spicy sauce that's served on chicken or that kind of thing. That's interesting. Yeah, but but as far as how to, you know, like, there, there, yeah, so there isn't really one right way to lead a ceremony, but it's very important that, I think, it's very important that people inform themselves, of, you know, to... to to know as much information as possible about cacao, to have a deep relationship with it themselves. So yeah, working with it, either attending other people's ceremonies or also working with it at home. And that's what I was going to say. Yeah. And plus getting, you know, any kind of training for holding space or healing work is going to also contribute to uh, now, you know, knowing how to work with cacao or, or lead people through a cacao experience. So yeah. even Reiki training or, you know, uh, yeah, yoga teacher training, any of these kind of things all, all add up. And I think that's kind of where we're at in our, in, in history too, is this new frontier of like, how, how do we want to put these pieces together and, and see what are the parallels and where do we go from here? Yeah. Awesome. And I think everyone should totally try cacao and join your mm-hmm. virtual your virtual ceremonies. How often do you say you're going to do the virtual? Monthly? Well, the plan right now is weekly on Thursday weekly. evenings. That'll Thanks. be, yeah, I mean, at, at any rate, they can go to soullifecacao.com and there's, there'll be a page about 
online offerings. My plan right now is to put the students in my 10-week training to work pretty soon, like have them introduce different parts of the ceremony and to give them practice that way because we can't meet in person and lead yeah. ceremonies right now. At least they can get practice um, that oh, way and build their cool. confidence. Yeah, that's a, such a cool idea. Like have them help you facilitate all these yeah. virtual events. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, thank- what was that? Like teacher's assistants. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing all of this. There's so much gold in here. Is there anything, mm-hmm. any last things you would like to share? Anything you want to say, share, whatever, uh, before you wrap it up? Well, I can create a discount code actually for your listeners. Uh, what do you think would be, would boss babe? Um, or you better? could do like um, maybe SBB. Okay. SBB. Like yeah, SBB. So, so that'll be good for 20% off their first purchase from soulliftcacao.com. Oh, thank you so much. So they just go to soulliftcacao.com yep. and, and then on the checkout SBB. page. Well, on the checkout, once they get to the checkout page, through the online shop, then there'll be a line for discount code. Oh, sweet. I'll make it. It'll be capital letters, SBB. Capital letters, SBB. Oh, thank you so much. That's so nice of you. And for for those of you listening, definitely try some cacao. Check out what Nick is doing. This stuff is seriously magical. I love cacao myself. And it's just been really a a heart opener, intuition enhancer for me. So... I'm so glad you're doing all the work that you're doing in the world, Nick. This is awesome. And I'm excited for you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been awesome. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes and hit the subscribe button. If you want extra motivation to manifest a life and business that you're obsessed with, then find me on Instagram at the spiritual boss babe or visit spiritualbossbabe.com. I love you and appreciate you so, so much. And I'll see you in the next episode. I hope you have a magical day. Thank you.